Hey, real estate investors, if you've been enjoying this show for a while or enjoying this content at all, then I'm sure you're going to want to know that we have a mastermind for kingdom-minded real estate investors uh, with folks from all over the country. If you're wondering what is a mastermind, this is a community that we began back in 2020 uh, to really serve faith-minded investors, those who were ambitious in the world of real estate and entrepreneurship, but also passionate about Christ and really wanted a place, an environment, a community uh, where we could really join force, join forces and lock arms with people who are like-minded to really flourish in both of those areas. We also have a ton of fun when we meet in places like Dallas, Orlando, San Diego throughout the year. And so I would love to be able to share with you more details on that. If you go to thekingdomrei.com, that's thekingdomrei.com, you can learn more about our mastermind, hear from our members, and then apply to be a part of this community and give us an opportunity to chat more and see if it's a good fit. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Kingdom REI podcast. This is your host, Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom REI Mastermind, and another very, very, very special guest. I cannot wait to introduce you guys to this wonderful woman, co-manager of Elevation Fund, um, Mrs. Jamie Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. So we got a little competition today, Jamie. I don't know if you know this. So your husband, Ryan Smith, has been on our show in season one, and his episode is in the top 10. (laughs) <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's my expectation that this is going to be 10 times better. Um, and so we're, we need to make sure we beat that episode. So guys, if you're listening and we want to beat Ryan Smith, make sure you share this episode with a friend or put this on Facebook or LinkedIn and let everyone know, hey, we got to go beat Ryan's episode. So there would be nothing I think Jamie and I would like more to be able to go back to Ryan and say, hey, man, we beat your show and that we did in season one. <laughs> <laughs> Real friendly competition. I like it. Yeah. So, all right. So, Jamie is uh, the co-manager with Ryan of Elevation Fund. You guys are been doing this business. I mean, in the OG of mobile home parks and self storage facilities, at least to a guy like me. I mean, you you and your husband started Elevation Fund when? How long ago is this now? You know, um, what became Elevation Capital Group, uh, which is, I think, what you're referring to, really started back in the 2003 timeframe. So it's, it's you know, coming up on 20 years, I guess, now that I think back on it. Wow. And current assets under management, you guys are managing about how much now? You know, um, we're just about to add a $33 million asset on Friday. So these numbers, you know, change over time, but I, I think it would be safe to say in approximate over 600 million in real estate assets. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I remember Ryan saying something, you know, when we first recorded that, you know, when you started, maybe I'd like to hear this from you is was 600 million the goal um, when you first started, or does that, is that seem just out of another world? I'm curious to get your, your take. Yes. No, that is a good question. It re- No, 600 million was not the original goal by any means. Um, I think, you know, when we got started and Ryan probably said our goals were really, really simple. We wanted to create um, $10,000 a month of net income from our real estate. And then our long-term goal was $50 million in real estate um, under management. 
and that was our our goal way back when we first got started so yeah it's it has uh, gone beyond that yeah i think you guys reached it <laughs> uh well so there's so much i want to learn from you today i'm excited to jump in if you wouldn't mind Jim, i just want to pray for us and uh clearly there's a ton that our audience can can take away from this, this show today so let me just pray and ask god to bless the lord we thank you for today Thank you for Jamie. Thank you for the way that you have blessed uh, her and their business and their family and just the light that they have been to so many, including me, including our community. And I just pray that even today would be an extension of that um, as we get to learn from her, experience her wisdom. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I'm curious, Jamie, like take us back to you a little bit before Elevation. Um, you know, the entrepreneur in you where does that come from i mean the 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 desire to want to grow and build a big business like this and maybe that wasn't the case at first but now you guys clearly have built a you know a pretty large enterprise where does that stem from was that always a desire tell us a little about your story yeah absolutely i um i think it's probably always been in me in terms of just a, a natural desire to work a natural desire um to, I would say probably in summary, to be entrepreneurial, to be able to make decisions on my own um, and to be able to benefit from my own work ethic. For, I was able to discover that at a really early age, um, you know, the difference between being an employee and being a business owner, just watching even my parents. So when I was growing up, um, my parents would, you know, blue collar, very hardworking, and we would build houses and sell them every couple of years. And that was something that we would do on the side uh, to my dad's primary job. And so I just remember being out there on the side and, you know, I could run the wet saw at like age seven and help lay tile and all of that. And I, to be honest, and I could, you know, when the workers were done at the end of the day, instead of paying extra, you know, we would go through and clean the site ourselves and put the debris in the dumpsters. And I just remembered, um, I loved it. You know, I think sometimes people think, oh, whoa, you know, is that what was that like? And it was really, really hard work, but I was really attracted to it. Um, just the ability that if we work hard, we can finish the house on this date instead of 30 days later. And, you know, we could sell it, you know, if we save here, we can sell. So there's just kind of that natural um, interest in how to build a business, I think was really there at a young age. And so it started there and, um, and then fast forward, just kind of go quickly. When I was in college to help pay for my housing, I got a job in property management. So it was a 300 site apartment building just off of uh, just off campus of UCF in Orlando. And then so that same type of thing. I, I remember thinking, okay, um, I'm renting the units. I'm showing the units. I'm helping with the leases. I'm helping run the maintenance crew. I'm taking the maintenance requests. I'm collecting rent. And I, I loved it. And I thought, man, I could do all this if I could own something myself. You know, I'm making this this gentleman a handsome profit. And, and I was happy for him, but I thought he's never here. And I'm here like almost every day I'm, you know, here. So I think just that natural appetite to, to build and run my own business and also knew that I had what it took to do it. But I'd rather, instead of be on the employee side, be on the owner side. That was the real estate bug for you. So that was kind of the intro of like, why am I working for this guy and I'm going to do it myself? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then so the idea of kind of beginning to 
I mean, you, you're a, you're a, you're an author of the the book trailer trailer cast, right? Is that that's the the official name of it? Yeah. So did the did trailer parks as they were called back in the day, which is I don't think appropriate anymore, right? We call them mobile home parks. Or right. um, so was that something that you and Ryan kind of came to together, you know, post married, or where did that idea to kind of begin to build elevation? Yeah. So um, we. Um... So I guess maybe anchoring back for a brief moment to the, the property management uh, in college, I, I quickly thereafter decided to buy my first single family property when I was in college. So I started, you know, and then I'd rent out the other rooms and, you know, all of that. So before Ryan and I were married, he was investing in single family residential real estate. And then so was I. And then when we got married, we both continued with our single family residential acquisitions, you know, got maybe 25, 30 single families, um, which brings me to your question, which is where did the idea of investing in mobile home parks come from or mobile home communities? And it really was just um, born out of some simple analysis. We thought to get to where we want to go, this single family residential business is just not scalable. It's not going to accomplish our goals. You know, it'd have been fine if we just wanted to own those properties and let them go through retirement. Um, but we thought, okay, what's the best? We want to scale, but what asset class should we go into? And that's where we sat down and we analyzed, you know, apartment buildings, um, elderly care facilities, billboards, commercial, industrial, mobile home parks, store, you name it. We really ran the numbers on all of the multi-unit or commercial assets that we may be interested in. And really, based on just some simple cash flow analysis, it came back that the best um, cash on cash return or best return on investment would be in the mobile home park space. So we really just kind of looked at the, you know, we looked at the, the landscape and ran the numbers. Those were the ones that came back that were the most attractive to us for our purposes. And that's when we started buying mobile home parks. Let, let me ask you this question. So we've been talking a lot on like our live show and stuff about becoming the CEO of your business and really being able to like set up early on to be able to grow and scale. And, you know, even though your goal was 50 million, you st- like, I'm curious, you know, and there's a lot of investors and early investors and maybe have not got the half a billion mark yet, but want to get there or at least want to, cause I think so many people get into this world of real estate, Jamie, with the goal of financial freedom. And yet they just kind of create, like they never really get to be able to build a portfolio or business big enough to really accomplish that. Clearly you guys are way past the financial freedom point where your needs are met and you're able to even have a much larger impact on your community and stuff. Like, and I know this is your sweet spot, which is why I'm so glad like we have you, right? I mean, there's so much your, um, you see Ryan's face a lot, but we know like I've been to your office, right? I know who's running the show. So like, what did you guys do early on? I'm curious, that would be helpful for our audience and thinking about really setting this up, your any investment endeavor to become an enterprise and not just, hey, I own this real estate portfolio of mobile home parks. Was that intentional early on or was that something that you, of course, developed as you went? But explain to me that process as I'm trying to learn. I know so many others are trying to learn if I wanted to get to half a billion or just 50 million, but maybe on my way to half a billion where did you start and how did that begin to develop as you went on? Right. No, I think that's, um, I think you're hitting the nail on the head with that question in terms of 
you know, how do we run the business like a business? Um, and also you want it to be profitable, you know, properly profitable. I think a couple of things that I've seen in errors that can be made early on is there's an initial goal of financial freedom, most likely that you referred to. And I think sometimes people can be too eager to get to that um, rather than focusing on the business as a business and what can this particular asset do. So um, to be a little bit more specific, you know, if you acquire a property and it, it needs reinvestment or it needs longer, to, it needs a little bit more of a runway to grow and get the numbers to where they need to be. If someone's not relying on that business for all of their income, they have the freedom to exercise essentially their better judgment as to what's best for the property. So you've got that on a small scale. And so I guess what I might say there is someone's getting started. And I always encourage this. And I always have. And Ryan and I've done it ourselves is we want to make sure that we've got other sources of income so that you've got the financial freedom. So instead of jumping from, hey, this this is my job and I want to get out of that job for reason A, B, and C, and then you jump onto a lily pad, which is this property, and then that property may be getting suffocated, uh, perhaps, because the, the owner is trying to rely on it from a cash flow standpoint that the property really should perhaps shouldn't be at that point or it can't be reinvested in so it can maximize. Yeah. That's a great Um, piece of advice. Wow. So that's a, that's a, that's an initial comment because I've seen that happen a lot. Um, And I understand why it happens, but it's almost showing that restraint so that you've got your income needs met and that you can treat that property or that business in the way that it should. And then I think um, probably the longer term answer that you might've been getting at as well is that's something that I see that happens early on. And then partly because of that desire to grow and to get to whatever that AUM target might be, folks might acquire at a faster rate than they perhaps should, meaning they haven't gotten their systems in place, maybe from a property management standpoint, from a fund management standpoint, uh, standpoint. They don't have all their ducks in a row, but because they're so focused on, I want to get to this certain AUM by this date, they might accelerate their growth um, at a rate perhaps that's a little faster than they should. And then it puts undue pressure on the business and puts other elements of the business at risk. So maybe my summary comment on that is, um, and we all know it is just that, that that patience and that steadiness even if it takes you a little bit longer to get to where you're trying to go, but you've done it right, you're going to be way better off than cleaning up the little messes that, that happen when you acquire in a rush. Yeah. And I think what you touched on there too, is just like you talked about building the systems and processes as you go. I I mean, I I think so many of us don't build those systems. Like, you know, it's they're just kind of supposed to work themselves out. And so you, you've built a replicatable system for the way you acquire and onboard investors and, you know, turnover, you know, tenants or whatever it might be. So I think that's that's a huge piece is, are you building systems as you go? Um, was that something you knew from your education, like how to build systems process? Because I find that to be difficult, even for a guy like me, a visionary, a driver, learning now, I have to build a team and systems and process around me. Is that your strength or is that Ryan's? Who, who, who did that best early on? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I think that we both... I think to be fair, we both 
bring that to the table. Ryan is very uh, systematized. Uh, he has a, a computer programming background um, also. So his mind will naturally see processes that need to be put into place. And I think that that is um, been hu hugely valuable to us. But, but also there's that human element where you have to have what I just call a pain tolerance. Because I think sometimes people think, well, this, this should be working. You know, I've made it to X millions of dollars under management. We shouldn't be having this issue. It should be working. But I think the thing that Ryan and I are reminded of constantly, whether it's 50 million or 500 million, is really every day is new. Every environment is new and it brings new elements. And to approach it more or less with a posture of intrigue than um, frustration. Because I think if you're, if you almost look at it as an element of frustration, you may not approach it with the zeal and energy to solve it systematically. You might just try to get past it. And then that little small thing becomes a big thing down the road. So mm. definitely a pain tolerance. I think that, you know, for whatever reason, both Ryan and I naturally have high pain tolerance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you have to, like I always talk about like that first years of entrepreneurship, like if you're not willing to bang your head against the wall, you know, and deal with some pain, you know, you're probably not ready. I mean, I just love, there's so many, such a glorified idea of entrepreneurship these days. And it's just like, you know, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's fun, but it's not easy. That's for sure. And I like, you know, and I think, you know, there's, there's an element of risk that, you know, you kind of have to enjoy as an entrepreneur too. So, all right. So gosh, I, let, let's keep rolling. Cause there's so much about you that I think I'll, I don't always have the privilege of interviewing someone who's such a powerful business minded person, but also an incredible mom and wife, you know, four young kids. I mean, your oldest kid is she eight years old. Um, so to think like you guys have built this with four very little, <laughs> little, you know, wonder, I, I got to hang out with you guys a couple weeks or a couple months ago, which was so sweet. I, I want to know more about that, you know, and I think some of this is personal because, you know, we're, me and my wife, are, we just had our first one. We're talking about, does she come into the business now? Do we keep that separate? But I think there's also just a lot of women maybe listening to the show and thinking, hey, I, I want to be a mom and I want to grow a family, but I'm also business minded and I, I want to grow I want to grow a business. And so yeah. what was that? What did that decision look like? Was that a decision you had to make? You know, was that always, Hey, I know I'm going to do this. Like walk us through that journey. Yes. No. Um, it is for, for me, I always felt called, I always had an appetite for business. So I never felt like I, that I, that I would just, uh, and I, and I'm the daughter of a stay at home mom. So I admire them and it is a tremendous responsibility. So I had the benefit of being raised in that way. And for some reason, I just always had an appetite for business. Um, and for any of your listeners that are following along, I will say this, that I do believe the, uh, well, I know the Proverbs 31 woman um, does some real estate transactions. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I always felt comfortable being in real estate. That's awesome. Um, I've just, <laughs> but um, so Ryan always, and Ryan will always say this as well. He always wanted to work with his wife, and that was before he even knew who I was. That was just something that he wanted to do, even as a small child. And I always had an appetite to work. So I think probably when we met, we talked about our mutual interests, and then 
you know, got engaged and got married, it was always on the table for us that we would work together. Um, and so it was not much of a conversation. Um, but I will say for your the the women that are listening and that are perhaps interested, you know, I think entrepreneurship is a huge answer to women that want to be mothers because it gives us, it's a, it's a absolutely got work and effort, but it allows us to have more control of our schedule and be much more um, dynamic with our availability. And in that, I've always felt um, a quiet confidence that I know that what I'm able to teach and share with my children, even at this young age, and then over time, I actually have real life uh, valuable skills that I can teach them through the business as well. So that's, I find that attractive as a mother that I've got useful skills that I can transfer to them, um, regardless of what direction the kids may go in their lives. Hmm. Is any of like your oldest daughter, what is, she, you know, does she talk about building, like what, what does she, I mean, what does she catch from you guys? I'm curious now that she's 10, she's starting to think, you know, I'm sure she's thinking about business or I don't know, she probably has dreams. What is that right now? You know, the kids find what we do very interesting. I'll give you one example. So when I travel and I don't travel nearly like I did before, that was a strategic adjustment that Ryan and I made when we had kids. So, you know, as a mother and a working mother, you, you do make changes over time. So that's to be expected. So, um, but when I do go out in the field uh, for property visits, or if I have to let someone go and, uh, you know, oversee uh, training and hiring of new managers and things like that, I always explain to the kids what I'm doing and why. And it gives me a good opportunity to say, you have to really work hard because if not, someday, you know, someone may go in another direction. You could be without that work. So it gives you a chance to kind of emphasize some of those character values. But I also have a plot map of one of the properties. And so I explain to them while we're driving occupancy, the kids are able to move pins onto certain plots and say, okay. In July, we added occupancy by three units at this particular property. What does that mean? Daddy, this property, daddy and mommy were able to help three new families become homeowners. Huh. Like, so it's just fun, small things, but it's also tangible because these are properties and homes and families and, and the kids can think about how that works. Right. Um, so let me ask you this. If someone's thinking let's say there's, uh, I mean, just for me personally, like as me and my wife are considering, does she come into the business or someone's, you know, let's say they, they, a woman wants to become an entrepreneur, but she does have small kids, um, a young family, you know, you talk about this being a great route, but what are the, like, what should you consider? I mean, what, what are the sacrifices? Cause it doesn't come without sacrifice, right? I mean, that's for sure. Like if you were to, I don't know, speak to your, you know, your, 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 your 10, 10 year ago self as a, as a new mom. And now that you've built this and you look back to where your kids are now, I mean, what would you tell her? What would be, you know, to get to where you are now and, and go back 10 years, would there be some, some advice that you would say, Hey, keep this in mind or don't do this? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great, that is a great question. Cause I've definitely learned a lot over the last 10 years and 10 years ago it was pre-mom and now 10 years later I've got four you know little ones all the way down to two years old um I think there's a couple of very key things one I would say would be um communication and I know we've all probably heard that spoken of so many times um that it almost can seem overstated but I don't think I can overstate it enough 
So uh, I think communication skills with your spouse. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're going to be working with your spouse, um, there's a tremendous amount of information that has to be exchanged on a daily basis and has to be done well and effectively. I think um, really, really uh, leaning into that, I guess, would be the best way to say it so that you learn how to communicate things in a professional way because your spousal communications can sometimes be casual or have room for other types of nuance. But I think because you're making decisions with such, um, because of the type of consequences and some of them are need more detailed analysis. So learning how to have that professional type communication with your spouse, if you've never done it before, I think is um, a little bit of a journey. Um, and I, I think um, other things are certainly just time management. So uh, one thing that helps me and it's helped me tremendously, particularly over the last 10 years is, especially when you have small children, you have a, an enormous amount of demands on your time. And so you're trying to prioritize what is the most important thing right now. And because you, you only have 24 hours in a day and you can't possibly do all the things that are actually being asked of you. So, and I guess this is kind of my go back to that Proverbs 31, but just thinking about it, I had an, an older, wiser woman had been married about 50 years and she and her husband had worked together in a variety of capacities. And she explained to me one day, when you look at uh, the order of your life, it should be God, spouse, children, and then what falls into that community bucket, business, and all of those items. And I think for your, your entrepreneurs, both guys and girls, if if we get our lives out of order, it doesn't matter how good our business is, the rest of our life can fall into chaos. And I think sometimes if we're trying to build a business, we can just focus on those business targets, but let some of these other things go to the side. But I think my the, the thing that's probably helped me the most over the last 10 years is prioritizing my life in that way. And priority doesn't also mean equal time. So it doesn't mean each of those things get equal time, but it means in the order of my life, they've been prioritized in that way. And that it also, then therefore I'm freed up to thrive in my business um, in ways that I otherwise would not be able to, because I've, I've got things that I haven't taken care of that I should. Right. Um, okay. One, one last, this is just so good. I, I feel like I have the expert on like mom and business. So I feel like I have to ask you these questions. I hope that's okay. Um, so as a, and I see this as a parent and now as a parent, you know, sometimes it can be hard to accept help or like get help, um, you know, and bring in help. But, you know, you have other parts of your life, your marriage, your business that you're growing. I mean, for me, for us and for anyone listening, you know, to really be able to do this, you had to bring in help, you know, in some ways you're kind of treating your, you know, your home as a thing that you're running. But yet I know I was there at your home. You have, you think your mother helping with kids. And so was that an easy decision for you to bring in and like let someone else kind of spend a, a majority of time with your kids during the day? I mean, it, talk us through that process or just kind of how you help, how you made the decision, how other people might kind of think about that decision too, if they're growing a business, having kids, that right. whole dynamic. Yes. No, I think you make a great point in that if you're going to do a lot of things at a high level, you do have to have help which is the point that you're making. And um, 
And I think for me early on, um, just being transparent, I'm more of a person, you know, I'm fortunate to be a high capacity type person. So that can be helpful, but it can also be, there's a point where you have to accept help, which is what you're saying. And so I think that transition for me personally was a good one, but it did take some time. And, and then I remembered thinking, you know, um, in our particular case, we've got people in our family that love our family and want to invest in them. And we're able to live this multi-generational lifestyle that's a benefit to our children. Mm-hmm. It's a benefit to our parents and it's a benefit to us. So while I think like anything, it comes with some complicated um, elements just when you're working with, when anytime you add a new person to the mix, you've got new things you have to navigate. But I think in our case, the what it's added to our family as a whole, like I said, across all generations, we really feel, we just feel like we've kind of, we're just living in this precious sweet spot that we couldn't really ask for more. So I love that idea, like the multi-generational. I never really thought about that in the terms of like, yeah, they're getting multiple, multiple generations of discipleship and influence as you bring them in. Really cool. Well, thanks for spending some time down memory lane with me as I kind of, you know, you're, you're 10 years ahead. So I get to, um, (laughs) kind of, kind of ask that let's, let's move on though to the last topic I wanted to ask you about. And, um, you know, you are one of the chairman of the National Christian Foundation and helping with that NCF. And I know that you and Ryan, you know, have created several funds in your community to help. I'm curious, like, this is the Kingdom REI podcast, Kingdom Real Estate Investing podcast, where we're real estate investors second, we're kingdom leaders first. And I, I just, you know, explain to me what what else you have, like, what is this business elevation allowed you to do from a kingdom standpoint? Um, and then what's ahead? Like, you know, what are the things that this has allowed you to do in the community? Just because and the reason I, I say this, the, one of the reasons we started this show for you and for our listeners listening is there are very few places and there are very few examples, which is why I want to interview you and interview the hundred other people we've interviewed thus far is that where you can, where both of those things are celebrated, that actually entrepreneurship, business, real estate, investing can be a platform for kingdom influence. And so what is this business allowed you to do from a kingdom standpoint and what's next for you guys in terms of, in terms of where you're headed? Yes, it's, I think it's really allowed us to live out our calling. So this business, when you say, and let me go back and say that again. So like when we look at elevation and we look at what we've done with it, we, we just view it as a huge opportunity to live out what we've been called to do. So it's like, um, you know, we're able to, on one hand, serve people with affordable housing that need it. We love that. Um, and then on the other hand, because we're doing that well, we're able to serve our investor community well. And so they're able to do everything from support their families, put their kids through college, give in different ways, which is, you know, you referenced that a little bit with the, the NCF type element. Um, so I think it's just allowed us to live out our kingdom purpose in the marketplace and I think that that's influenced a variety of things in our community that we're humbled to be a part of. You know, for example, like you said, you know, we've got a number of giving groups in the Orlando community, and basically they are 12 local people 
linking arms to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And we come alongside folks with what we hope is a life-changing gift. So those gifts can range, you know, it could be 30,000 um, to one family. And, and I'll just give you an example, you know, that might allow us to serve that family by helping them put a down payment on their home. It might help us serve a family by making sure they've got tuition covered or different different types of things that those families may need, transportation. Um, so that those are, you know, out of the business, proceeds are made available that we are able to deploy in a way that we hope advances the kingdom. And it's it's been incredible to do that in community. That's why I specifically mentioned those giving groups because there's different things we can do in private. There's different types of investments that we can make and, and um, or, or, you know, giving investments as well. But at the same time too, there's something powerful about linking arms with people in your community um, and living it out. So that's been yes. just incredibly rewarding. And, and I think that there's more to come on that. You know, Ryan and I were just working on that with the president of NCF here in Orlando. We just had a call on that uh, last Friday on what else we would like to be a part of here in our community. And so I think there's some, when you say what's ahead or what's next, um, I'm actually really excited for what's next. And um, we're just really eager to partner with people that, you know, have the mind and the heart of the kingdom, but are also um, strategic and want to see things move, not just throw money at a problem or just write a check and feel good about it. I mean, we're just talking about really strategic improvements in our area. So right. we're excited about that. The giving group real quick, you said you guys come together and, and you give, like it's a once a year thing. You do this quarterly. What does that look like? Yes. These groups are formed and the the ones, and it's not prescriptive. So if someone were to form a group, they could do it differently if they'd like. The groups that we're a part of have 12 individuals. We meet two times a year. Each individual has a buy-in. So they might buy in for $1,000 or $2,500 or $5,000, whatever the group decides. And then that amount is pooled into one gift that's given um, to one family. So we don't split it more than two. So it's either one family or two families so that that way the size of the gift remains large enough that it can make a, a, a meaningful impact on the family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you guys do that. Do you use a donor advised fund to help facilitate that? We do our we do use our donor advised fund to help facilitate our giving, and then the ultimate gift is given through a nonprofit to the individual. Got it, got it, amazing. Um, wow, yeah, so that's cool to think about. And I even think about from a community standpoint. We've been talking about this a lot. Of you know, what would that look like? We're in San Diego to kind of build this community of giving groups um, that could be an extension. Uh, you know, throughout our city. So I love what you guys have done there in Orlando, because what I what I notice about you all, from your home to your business, like everything, like it feels like a pillar of the of the city. Like you all, like the way I see you and Ryan is like a real pillar of Orlando, and I think that's something as a kingdom leader to really strive for. Is like, does your community or your city or your town see you as a pillar because of the, the blessing that your business extends, not just to, I mean, you're extending blessing to your consumer, both your tenant and your investor, but that also has now extended into the city as well. And I think that is something to aspire to is like, are we building a business with excellence that will now be a blessing? I mean, there is a proverb when the, when the righteous uh, prosper, 
the city flourishes. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is something like the righteous should prosper, <laughs> right? Okay. Because as you prosper, the city around you really truly can flourish. And so thanks for being that example. I just wanted to say that to you, but in front of everyone that like you guys are, are for me, it's something to aspire to because I see you prospering. But as you prosper, the city around you really is flourishing and including our Kingdom Ride community has flourished because of you both. So thank you for that as well. Oh, absolutely. It's it's really an honor to be a part of, um, just to be a part of all of this. And thank you for your very, very kind words. And I will tell you just on that last thing you were saying, I will say when you when you talked earlier about, you know, you know the 50 million to over a 500 million, what you just spoke about is really an underlying driver for us because it it fills our heart to know that as the business has grown, the impact has also grown. And so we find that personally very, very encouraging and motivating. Um, Jamie, please, before you go, tell folks where to go learn about you or follow you personally if they just want to hey i want to know more about jamie where do how do i go follow her and then of course about elevation if you would please give both of those yeah absolutely um anybody that's listening can come to our website it's elevationfund.com and if you want to email me you are welcome to do that i'm happy to answer any questions uh, my email is jamie j-a-m-i-e at elevationcg.com and um, I hope Ellis is that I hope that's it. Yes, that's right. Are you on social media? Do you do like Instagram or LinkedIn or anything? We're like that. We're do you post on, content. Yes, I'm on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. I'm not okay. an Instagrammer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no TikToks or anything no, like that. No, so no, Facebook. <laughs> All right, so they can go find you on Facebook. Jamie, yeah. thanks so much again for your time. And everyone, again, remember the competition. Please go share this. Like, even tag Ryan. Like, this was way better than your episode, Ryan. If you've been listening since season one, um, let's, let's, uh, I personally think this was amazing. I learned so much and it was, it was different. I just, I, I, and I'm glad, I'm glad we now I've had both of you because I think um, both of you combined have really been mentors in my life. So, so, so thankful to have you. Again, everybody, if you love this, Go share this with someone. Go tag Jamie, myself, either on LinkedIn or Facebook. And we thanks for listening. See you next week. Hey, real estate investors. I hope this show has given you permission to go out into the world and crush it in the name of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our community and locking arms and joining forces with other like-minded investors like yourself, go to thekingdomrei.com to learn more about our mastermind and send an application. We'll see you next week.